welcome, welcome. You are listening or watching on YouTube, the Faith, Fitness, and Freedom podcast, and I'm your host, Rebecca Taber Contreras. And in today's episode, I am going to help you discover the true solution for creating sustainable results. So this particular episode is for you if you've been challenged to lose weight and not find it again, right? How many of us have lost the 30 pounds only to find it again and then some, right? Maybe you've lost 50 or 75 pounds. Maybe you're like some of my clients and you even went the route of weight loss surgery and the weight is starting to come back on and you feel frustrated. You're not understanding what's going on because you've worked so hard at trying to create this result and trying to make something sustainable for yourself so that you can really feel confident in your own skin, so that you can walk into your closet and just pick anything off the shelf without having to change three, four times, five times maybe, right? That you can shop and be excited to shop, right? So that your internal is reflected by your external as well. So that all the success that you have achieved as a mom, as a wife, as a CEO, as a kingdompreneur is reflected in your own physical well-being as well. So if that is you, you're in luck because this episode is just for you. And the reason I get it and the reason I'm so passionate about it is because I have my own story and I am a former overweight corporate girl atheist turned Jesus-loving kingdompreneur that has been in the entrepreneurial space now for over, actually it's been about 12 years now, and helping coach other women. I had my own transformation 20 years ago. It so dramatically changed me that God led me to help other women do the same and make it a little bit easier path for them, and that's what I've been doing over the last decade. So I'm here to tell you that if you can understand that frustration of losing the weight only to find it again, sis, I know you've put in the hard work. I know that you followed that diet, or you were told to work out more and eat less, or you were told to restrict some sort of food group, or why can't you adhere to Whole30, right? All the things that have worked maybe for somebody else or um, you've seen some success, but then you fall off the wagon and it feels frustrating. The reason is you've been fighting the wrong battle. The reason that you have seen short-lived success or really struggled is because it is not a food problem, It is not a exercise problem. Those two things are important, but that is not what creates sustainable transformation. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. But I'm going to tell you that I get it because I know that the clients that I work with today have achieved amazing success in so many aspects of life. And yet when it comes to their own physical bodies, they are uncomfortable in their own skin and they have this negative self-talk that keeps them limited, right? So even though they've had great success, they know they aren't showing up at the level in which they're capable of for themselves, from their family, for others, right? And they no longer feel sexy with their like way of being, right? So it's impacted their intimacy with their um, husbands, and that then affects our connection, right? And so 
on the outside, these women, and I'm sure this may be true for you too, you're seen as this leader, you're seen as this strength, and yet you feel like almost an imposter syndrome, and part of that is because you know the battle that you have. You know that you would like to be at a healthier weight, that you've tried to have a body that you want, right? Doesn't mean six-pack abs, unless you want six-pack abs. Don't let any story tell you what you can or cannot do, right? But it doesn't mean that you have to have or want six-pack abs or whatever that image is on a magazine cover or, you know, a lot of those things are, are air, whatever, uh, what is that word? Photoshopped nowadays, right? Filters all the things, right? We all show our highlight. Well, not me, but I know a lot of a lot of um, people out there are on their highlight reels, right? Or the filters or whatever, and it's it's a challenge to not get caught up in comparison, right? But it is a balance in that when we know that we want something, right? We can also know that. As if we're in alignment with God's word on a daily basis, if we're in alignment with his truths and his values, if you also then know that your body is something that you want to work on, that you want to have greater health, greater confidence, energy, focus, right? Then you know that it is possible for you because God wouldn't give you that want and that desire if it was not. Even more so, God calls us to honor our body, but that's actually another episode. Today, we're going to stay focused on the fact that it actually is not about your food or exercise. Those are components, not going to lie, you can't get away with you know eating whatever you want and getting the result, but the reason results have escaped you from being sustainable in the past is because of a couple of things, and it starts with your thoughts, right? So I've been there too in terms of I looked at all the fad diets of the time, the pills, the shakes. Even today, you know, 20 years later, a decade into coaching, I hear really well-meaning coaches still promoting just the diet aspect or a shake or a pill or even really good meaning people. How many of y'all have that sister or that coworker or that friend? Or I was in a professional office um, recently and, and this person has a, a doctorate to their name, but th this wasn't their field of expertise, right? And they clearly had gotten results for themselves. So then by getting results the way they got the results, they assume they assume that that must be the result that is going, that must be the, the path that is going to get everyone else results, right? Because their message to me was, yeah, we can talk about nutrition if you want. You just got to do X, Y, and Z and blah, blah. I don't know why he thought he needed to share that with me, but he, <laughs> he did. And uh, my point is, is that I wasn't the time or place for me to say anything or get into a conversation. That's not even why it was there. But in my mind, I'm thinking that is part of the problem, right? Because yes, it clearly worked for that person. And yes, it it is a method when it comes to diet. But one, not all diets fit all women. And when I say diet, I just mean your food choices, Part of the problem is, is that it's not, even when you talk about food, it's not about being crazy restrictive and never enjoying any of your favorites. It's not about excluding entire food groups or anything like that when it comes to the nutrition piece of it itself, right? So I get to teach women how to live for a lifestyle and still enjoy favorites and, and all those kinds of things. But even then, that is not the true work that I get to do. 
because let me show you, and I'm going to look at my notes real quick because I want to make sure I get this right, but these well-meaning people that are promoting all of these diets and saying, this is it, this is the solution, and it's almost like, the unsaid thing, what is wrong with you if you can't just lose the weight and keep it off if you follow this plan? Or why can't you just follow the plan? Or it worked for Aunt Susie, right? Keto helped me lose, not me, I'm saying this to somebody else, right? I hear people all the time, keto helped me lose 50 pounds or helped me lose 75 pounds, right? In six months, we'll follow up with that person a year from now, right? Follow up with that person two years from now. And I'm not trying to beat up or bash any um, specific protocol, right? Keto has a time and place for an example, but it's not the core solution. That's not what is going to create sustainable results, right? If it were about diets and exercise, I want to give you this perspective, and this is where I want to check my notes and make sure I'm giving you the right statistics. If it were about statistics, then we would not have, or if it were about diet and exercise, if that's what created sustainable results, then we would not have the statistics we have today in terms of percentage of population being overweight. Because how many of y'all know that you could go to any like local street corner, and of course I'm in the United States, I know and I'm super thankful and I respect that we have people listening in from all over the world, and I love you guys, so I only have my own personal experience with the United States. I know that culture-wise in the United States, you could ask any woman on the street anywhere and nine out of 10 of them are gonna say that they've tried a diet at some point in time or attempted to lose weight. Yeah, I still, I'm gonna, I'm thinking of like the body type that can eat whatever they want and never gain weight, right? But that's so far few in between. So I'm still gonna go with nine out of 10 anecdotally, right? And yet the CDC tells us that, and this is based on their 2017, 2018 statistics, which um, I can, there's other various other sources that are showing this statistics have only gotten worse. And as of this time, 2017, 42.5% of adults in the U.S. population were obese. 73, 73.6% were classified as overweight. 73.6%, which I could go on so many different like lessons from that number alone, right? One of the videos, and or I'm sorry, I did do a video on Facebook and I also did a podcast on comparison. Sometimes that can hold us back because we're thinking like, well, we're not that bad, right? As believers, we are called to be set apart. And if you're comparing yourself with, seven, with you know, society, and 73.6%, and this is 2017, 2018, and recent studies, like they did studies through 2020 where the average weight gain in the United States was 25 pounds that year. So these statistics have gotten higher since 2017, 2018. So if you're looking in comparison to the neighbor or the coworker or the person and you're thinking, I'm not that bad, that's not a good benchmark. That's not who God calls us to be. And that's not who you were called to be. And this is the factor. It wasn't the original intent of this um, episode, but I want to remind you that you're created on purpose for a unique and greater purpose. And it is not selfish. It is not something small to be concerned about our own physical well-being. It actually needs to be flipped. 
your physical well-being is what is the foundation of being able to hear God clearly, be in relationship with him, be in close connection, because when we are distracted and discouraged, it keeps us from being at our best. It keeps us from our ultimate connection in relationships, and our primary relationship needs to be with God. But if we're discouraged and distracted by our own physical well-being, we can't possibly be receiving all that he has because we're constantly discouraged and distracted by that voice that's telling us things that don't align with his word. We're constantly being discouraged and distracted by nutrition that doesn't fuel our mind or body. Nutrition plays a very direct role, and this is where, uh, again, give me a second on this tangent, but food, if you did not already know this, plays a critical role in your ability to manage your emotion and focus on your daily output, whatever that is, right? Most of you listening are kingdompreneurs and or um, you're helping others build businesses, but I know we've got moms that are listening. So, and we're all, each purpose is just as important as another. Doesn't have to be a platform of thousands of people. Doesn't have to be building a multi-million dollar company. It might be that your purpose right now in life is raising three children, in order for you to be the best version of you, you have to be healthy physically. That is the foundation in which you're building from on a daily basis. So if you're physically not well, then that is going to show up in how you interact. It's going to show up in your energy. It's going to show up in your ability to focus. It's going to be showing up in your ability to clearly hear God's voice and being able to see him and how you're directing and, and leading or how he's leading your steps, right? If you're allowing him to do that. So let me get back on point. 73.6% are overweight in the United States, according to 2017-2018 CDC statistics, right? And I didn't even list the... Um, well, yes, I did, actually. I combined these two statistics. I'm looking at my notes again. Um, 20 to 21% ages 6 to 19 are overweight. I'm always going to keep it real. Ladies, mamas, I understand that your kids might be a picky eater. It is also true that you control the food choices in your house. And it might be an older book, because I am now 47, and my son is now 22. But one of the greatest blessings that God gave me very early on in my walk was this book. And I wasn't even a huge reader at the time. So for me to have read this book, digested it, and impl um, implemented it, one of the greatest gifts it gave me was this understanding that your kids will not starve, right? If your kids are picky eaters, there are... Um, you know, very, there are very real, um, sensation. I forget what the word is. I apologize at like issues with sensations or consistency or things like that. But it is also true that a lot of times the habits, which not eating something, not trying something, turning your nose up at a vegetable or whatever the case may be is also a habit that was created because it was tolerated and allowed. Right. And Kevin Lehman um, the book is called Making Children Mind Without L Losing Yours. And one of the things I remember in that book was the fact that he was saying that kids will either eat or they won't, but they will not starve. 
And if you continue to give them the pre-made peanut butter, jelly, freezer, whatever sandwiches, while you guys are eating a nice family dinner, they're going to continue to ask for the packaged processed food. If you're continually going through McDonald's because they refuse or Johnny won't eat this or Johnny doesn't eat that and so you're making extra meals for Johnny, Johnny's going to continue to create that habit because it's being supported. Again, I am not taking away from the exception cases where there is some sort of aversion to texture or consistency or something along those lines. I'm saying that more times than not, it's simply a habit, a choice, a preference that's been enabled, and our kids are getting sick as a result of it. Our kids are overweight as a result of it. And even if it doesn't show up as a physical, type 2 diabetes is a lifestyle choice, and you're teaching them from the time that they're a child, right? Again, I want to come back on track. So again, the statistic continues to rise. And I know it's hard. There's no judgment from me whatsoever. I, my goal is to encourage you and remind you that you are the authority in the house. And that our greatest role is to be the authority. Just like we come into authority for God, our kids come into authority for us. Otherwise, they're enabled and well, I'm going to say it. I think that's a lot of the problem. I'm not saying that this is true of you and listening to this show, but out there, there is a lot of kids running around that think they're that are enabled, entitled, and don't understand in, when they get to the real world and they don't easily get their way or they are that person that does little and does and expects much, right? That's not how we're created. That's not what God calls us to. And we cultivate that through our children, right? And so something as simple as, you know, this is what we're having for dinner. You can try it. And if you don't like it, then okay, but this is what's for dinner. I'm not giving you a second meal. I'm not creating an alternative. You either have it or you don't, but you won't have another meal until tomorrow. Kevin Lehman's point, and I think I got off track, is that they're not going to starve, right? So with that, back on track in terms of as a, a clear indicator that food and exercise is not the problem because you could ask any woman, at least in the United States, and 9 out of 10 of them are going to say that they've been on a diet at some point in time and how many of y'all have lost the weight and put it back on again and you know that you've tried all the diets, right? Or you've tried many diets, right? Quote-unquote diets or some sort of fad or pill or um, liquid, right? That's supposed to be this like magic pill, magic shot, magic drink. There is no quick solution and it is not just about food or exercise, right? The real battle is not the food and it's not the exercise. The real battle is your thoughts because your thoughts, which are focused, become your beliefs and your beliefs are what drive your habits, your habits, or drive your choices, I'm sorry, and then your choices made consistently over time are what form your habits. So if you want to break the habit and make it sustainable, right, when you go into some sort of diet or exercise program, you are working the end, right? It's like putting a Band-Aid on an open gouge that needs stitches. <laughs> that, was, that was a brutal... That was a brutal uh, visual, right? But 
a diet or an exercise is not dealing with the core problem. One of my clients that I've had the honor of working with for quite some time, and she's got, received amazing physical results, right? She posted not long ago that she's so excited to finally be in Wonderland, which is, you know, that in the 100s weight range. And she will tell you that she did the weight loss surgery. And she actually, it sounds like she had a decent program um, going into weight loss surgery where they had her do follow a diet before she could even have the surgery. However, she will tell you that it didn't teach her how to change the thoughts and the habits that got her to be over 300 pounds in the first place. And so now she's been working with me. She's done the real work. And as a result of that, she not only is in her wonderland, but she's experiencing levels of confidence and so many little things along the way that we take for granted, right? Once we get there, we forget, right? Um, like being able to get up off the ground without really struggling or being able to tie your shoe without finagling that leg, right? Putting pants on without doing that pant shimmy, all these little things, right? Another client um, being excited about the fact that they could fit on the rides without being concerned with their kids, right? Another client that came to me and she was thankful because she didn't have a lot of weight to lose. However, what she did have was an image of what she knew she was capable of physically, and she was no longer there. And typical, all of us have been or can be guilty of it at times, just got caught up with a very successful, prestigious career, being the wife, being the mom, uh, and doing all the things. In fact, she was exercise. She was one of the ones that was told to exercise more, eat less, right? And as we started working together, we realized that one, she actually needed to be eating more, but also it wasn't, it was, it's the thoughts. And as a result of changing that, she's the best shape she's ever been in her life. And the confidence has opened her up to all new levels of potential, right? Within her already successful career, as well as now taking on a master's program and feeling confident and strong as she went into the master program and in the first meeting they were talking about goals and breaking that down and projecting it out. And she said, I had a massive advantage because of the work I've already been doing with you, right? Another client that talked about the fact that she is taking on her pilot's license. And yes, she's gotten great physical results too, but it's the confidence. When we first started working together, she was going through a season of massive transition and um, I just want to respect her, respect and honor her story, um, and we'll share it for another day. But major life changes, both in career and in um, marriage, and so that would impact anyone's level of confidence. So then, being in the midst of all of that transition and looking for a new job opportunity, but with doing the work, she not only secured the job. She secured it with a great level of confidence, and that's already being seen and reflected within the first 30 days of her being in this new office. And that's what happens when you do the right work and you focus on the right battle. The battle is not the food. The battle is not the exercise. They are part of it, but the true battle is in the thoughts. So I want to give you uh, five most common thinking problems because, again, food is not the problem. Thinking is the problem. So five of the most common thinking problems is, first of all, denial. 
um, failing to face the truth. And I'm looking at my notes. If you guys are watching on video, I'm just looking at my notes to make sure that I um, articulate this well. But the denial, failing to face the truth about how much it costs you to live in discomfort and distraction. And what I mean by that is, especially when it comes to weight loss and when it comes to food, but this is really true in any aspect of life, it's really easy to fall into good enough. It's really easy to fall into complacency because with each iteration, that becomes, when we don't deal with it, whatever it is, that becomes our new level of normal, right? This may not be true, or it would not be true for someone that's necessarily struggled with weight their entire life, right? Because if you've always struggled with weight, but a lot of times it is true as well. Like for example, a lot of the clients that I've worked with, maybe they struggled to some extent. Maybe they were the bigger kid on campus or whatever the case may be. But as that becomes your normal and that becomes your level of tolerance, over time, your level of tolerance increases, and so that's how you go from maybe you were at a healthy weight and you were fit and you were strong and you felt amazing and you felt confident and you had the energy and the focus and all the things that go along with that and 10 pounds came on, 20 pounds came on and you didn't deal with it. You were in denial about what it was costing you. 20 pounds, not really a big deal. I'm all right. My jeans are uncomfortable, but it's okay. I've got other things going on. I'm too busy. Whatever it was that the justification was. So you don't deal with it, and now it's 30 pounds. And then that becomes your new level of complacency and normal. And then it's 50 pounds, right? People that um, slowly gain the weight year after year, that's how it happens, is that each year I'm going to do something. I'm going to make this the, the year, and or I'm too busy, or it's not that big of a deal, or it doesn't bother me that much, and it becomes your complacency without being real with yourself about what it's costing you to be where you're at. So denial, for example, of being, you know, 50, 75 pounds overweight, which society doesn't help. I'm going to be totally, well, I always am real with you guys. I trust that you know that this comes from a place of love, but one of my like points of just irks me to no end is this um, languaging that is saying that we're healthy at any weight. You aren't healthy. If you have 50 to 75 pounds, even 30 pounds of more weight than what is good for your body, that is like the healthy for your body. Now, it doesn't mean that like the, the doctor's rule of thumb isn't always right. It's It can be super low. There are different body types, all that kind of stuff. But justifying being overweight to appease or this whatever is happening it kind of at a societal level right now is not healthy. It's making us sicker. Yes, love yourself where you're at. That's an important part of the process and that's what I get to teach too. However, do not be complacent because to the extent in which we have more weight than what is healthy for our body type and our body like structure is to the extent in which we are attracting disease. Everything from as a simple cold to... COVID-19, which is another topic and another episode for another day about the fact that pharmaceuticals are being pushed like with any other virus or any other disease, and yet no one is talking about what can be done for prevention because prevention doesn't include anything that is like, it's not a pharmaceutical market. <laughs> prevention looks like 
eating good foods, prevention looks like getting in normal um, levels of activity, right? Not crazy workouts or anything like that, but just normal levels of activity and some basic supplementations that you can, you know, you do want to check the source, but you can get some basic supplementation that is not expensive, right? So to the extent in which we carry extra weight for our body type is the extent in which we're attracting disease. We limit our um, energy, our confidence. We are creating ourselves and opening ourselves up and we're not recognizing or we're not, um, the thought pattern here is the denial, the denial of what it's costing you. And this is what I started to say. Um, and forgive me, I got a little bit off track with the, the, the thought on um, healthy solutions when we are battling with weight, a lot of times we are, not all the time, but sometimes emotional eating is part of the problem. And we're eating out of emotion to not deal with the feeling that is really going on, whether it's the stressor or the sadness or the anxiety. It's just like food becomes a way of numbing out. And there's a very real biochemical response that's happening when we eat you know, sugar or processed food or carbohydrates, it really does create a quick response that tells our body like, oh, that feels really good. And so there really is a temporary level, a temporary um, kind of relief, right? And then it crashes. So our body's like, wait, where was that? Where did that go? And I want more of that, right? But the problem is that the cost, right? Is it costing how you show up for your kids? because you don't have energy, because you're uncomfortable getting up and off the ground? Are you avoiding social situations? Are you like me and you were hiding behind the camera and or you don't like it's because you were taking the pictures. So you don't have a lot of pictures of you and the kids or you're not instigating play or you're not taking to the pool because you don't feel comfortable, right? Uh, or is it costing the intimacy in your relationship with your spouse? Ladies, we were created to have intimate connection with our husbands. And a lot of times it's not the men, I'm not saying there aren't men out there that will judge you on your body or what have you, but most men, they're going to, like, they're going to be attracted to you. It's the way men are wired, but we get insecure about our bodies and we start hiding and shutting down and holding back and that impacts our intimacy and got, men are wired to connect. We Women are wired to connect emotionally, men are wired to connect physically. It's not one of the ways they're wired, right? That's how they feel connected with us, right? So if we aren't, look at, that's another way for the enemy to come in and provide a foothold. If we're holding back in being intimate and being affectionate and yes, having sex with our, our, our husbands, if we're holding back because we feel uncomfortable, insecure, or just don't have the energy or don't feel good or stress, overwhelm, all those things, then we're missing out on opportunities to connect with them. So we're not dealing with what it's truly costing us because we're constantly numbing out with food, right? Or not, we're in denial about the cost in which it might be costing you in your business. As what I have seen to be true, this was true for me, and it's true for um, countless of clients over the last you know decade, 12 years, is that even those that are incredibly successful, when they get their physical health and well-being, to where it aligns with the best version of them, then it unlocks new levels of impact, influence, freedoms, which then impacts their income as well, right? So denial 
and failing to face the truth about where what it's costing you to be where you're at is one of the thought problems. Justification is another. Um, feeling like you have XYZ condition or it, your whole family is overweight or some sort of justification as to why you struggle and that it's just like you've kind of surrendered to it, right? There are certain conditions that are definitely going to make it harder. There are some medications that maybe you, um, you know, didn't help for a while, right? Created some weight gain for a period of time, but it doesn't mean that you can't have the body that is your healthiest version of your physical body either. It just means finding the right solution. And again, it starts with your thoughts. Comparison, we talked about that already, so I won't go into it too much, but comparison either by thinking like somebody else that's fit has it easy, right? People take it for granted often that it must just be easy for me. Or I hear this a lot that I'm. they find out that I am a coach and or that I owned a physical um, location, fitness facility, and they just assume, oh, that's why she's so fit. Nope. <laughs> I went from being overweight and super unhealthy to being so fit that people accused me of being on steroids and all kinds of other things when I was still in corporate, working 50 to 60 hours a week, and I was a single mom at the time. So we all like just don't assume that the other person has it easy, and therefore if it's not easy for you, you must be doing something wrong, which also, by the way, I have... Um, PCOS, which is uh, a lot more commonly diagnosed now, but it wasn't diagnosed for me until I was mid-20s. And it just means that most people that have PCOS are overweight. And trust me, I have to, I get to, I don't have to, watching my words, I get to be more careful about my food choices than maybe somebody else, even at my age, uh, simply because my body does process carbohydrates or sugars or whatever uh, differently, right? Um, however, clearly it's possible and I've helped many women with PCOS get to their ideal weight. And yes, I still enjoy my want to, my favorites, my want to's over time have changed, but I do still get to enjoy them. Procrastination is another killer thought process. I'm too busy with other people. I'm too busy with my business. If we've learned nothing through 2020, it needs to be flipped. And that is that your procrastination and putting everything off and putting others first never at the expense of your own well-being because you cannot give your best if you are not at your best. And if you are not physically at a healthy weight, like truly, and I'm not talking about when I say healthy, I don't mean what your blood work says. Because I have women that have sat in front of me, 75 pounds overweight, and they say, well, my blood work is healthy. My blood, well, you're waiting for a time bomb. If you are not at a, what you know in your heart, like where you want to be and where you know that you, like is ideal for your body frame and body type, then you are not at a healthy weight, right? And saying that you're too busy to deal with it, it needs to be the reverse, you can't give your best if you aren't at your best. And if you keep putting it off, keep doing what you've always done, you're going to get the same results you always have gotten, right? There is no time to procrastinate. I know that because you're listening or watching this podcast, 
you are one of the women that you know you're called on purpose for a greater purpose and you want to honor that and you want to do the best as a woman for your family, for your impact. And the only way for you to do that is for you to be at your best in mind, body, and emotion, right? A lot of times, and I'll leave it at this, is women feeling like they're unworthy, right? Or that they somehow feel selfish for investing and to really do the work for themselves. But yet, look at all the other things, time and attention, that we'll invest in. But when it comes into investing in ourselves, somehow a lot of times women feel like it, they're not worthy or they're not good enough for it, right? It really becomes a value issue, right? It becomes a value issue of what you're willing to invest in. You think about even things as simple as our cars, our car payments, purses, all these things. But when it comes to taking care of ourselves and getting to the best version of ourselves, a lot of times women can be apprehensive, right? Reality is that when you are, I will tell you for me personally, I have invested in coaching for 20 years now, as well as therapy. I believe in both <laughs> and a community of amazing people who you surround yourself is really important. But there were seasons where I stretched myself and I'm honestly not attached to whether or not you work for me or work with me um, or, or somebody else. I am attached to you truly leveraging the resources around you and finding whoever that is for you that is going to help you go to the next level because we aren't meant to do it alone. And there have been many seasons, whether it be for my own, my very first coach was a personal trainer. And at the time I was putting together dollars and cents to go to the grocery as a single mom. And some people might've said like that was an irresponsible choice that I ended up putting money on a credit card for a personal trainer. But we all know the end result of that story, Right. I ended up, that personal trainer was really only one small piece of what I was doing in terms of the work that God did in and through me through that time. Most of the work, like I said, it, it wasn't about that, um, but it was one of the vehicles and one of the resources he used for me to lean into and start to get healthy. And it was a huge risk at the time. And from there, there's been times in business where I've invested in business coaches and every single time, do your due diligence, make sure that it pays off, make sure that when you're looking at a mentor or coach to come alongside of you, make sure that they are in alignment with your goals, your value, or I'm sorry, your values, your truths, make sure that they have experiential knowledge. Um, I think I'm just going to be real. I I know that there is a power behind those that have experiential knowledge in addition to their book knowledge. You can have a ton of book knowledge. Honestly, sisters, I have a lot of certifications at this point. And I've invested over a hundred thousand in my own education. I still think that the biggest difference that adds fuel or amplifies all of the head knowledge is my own experiential knowledge from my original transformation, from understanding all of that to watching it completely transform my way of being. It turns out I had a whole new level of uh, awesome mom in me, right? And still perfectly imperfect and still in these seasons learning and growing and evolving whatever God has me in this season learning, right? With each season is what I'm trying to say. Uh, but I do know, and I can say that because of God's work in and through me, that 
the reason I'm able to help my clients get such powerful results is the experiential knowledge and the willingness to lean into God and to always be a student and to always learn, grow, and evolve. And so I encourage you to find that in maybe it's a fitness coach that you need. Maybe most likely because you're listening to this podcast, it is this version. Maybe you just happen to be listening to this one and it interests you, but maybe your biggest growth right now, maybe you're in alignment physically, mentally, emotionally, maybe your biggest growth is how to start your own business or how to grow your own business, right? That's not something, although I've had plenty of experience and practice with that, it's not something that I choose to coach or want to. (laughs) My point is, is that look for someone that has experiential knowledge. Look for someone that is doing walk in the walk, right? And then it's going to stand by you and share your value, share the integrity, and have your best of intentions at heart. All right. So again, not a food problem, not a workout problem. I can talk to you about nutrition all day long, and we definitely will do that in different episodes. But the base foundation is understanding that your key to breakthrough lies in a thinking problem. So if you are drawn in to me personally, and feel led to work together or to see if we would be a good fit, then you can respond to this podcast episode by finding me on social media. Facebook is where I hang out the most, and it's Rebecca Tabert Contreras, or join our Faith, Fitness, and Freedom community, which is free on Facebook. I do do a lot of free training and just interaction and community there, and there's amazing women in there as well. And or you can email me at Rebecca at RebeccaTabert.com. So now, if I could do, if this has been helpful, I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. I want to continue to provide these episodes and I want to continue to learn what messages work for you. And so if this is of value, I would love for you to post a comment below follow on iTunes or follow on the YouTube channel and share it with a friend that you think might also be interested in it. Either way, by commenting, by leaving a review, you help boost the algorithms that are social media and you may be joining me in helping reach more women that are just like you that could be be helped by this message also. All right. Love you guys. Bye for now.